0: Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and today we welcome on Brett Cannellan, who has an amazing story about resilience and mindset. Turning the worst day of your life into your best is no easy feat, but sometimes there is simply no other option. In Brett's case, this day included the moment every surfer's worst nightmare became his reality when he was attacked by a great white shark. Brett soon realized that the lessons he learned through his recovery could be applied to all areas of his life. This has pushed him to be the best version of himself, both personally and professionally. The new version of Brett, fueled by purpose, drives him to use his unique and powerful story to help others make the most out of their journeys. I absolutely loved meeting Brett in person here in Jeringong, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get started. Mm So, Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. I think we start by taking it back to March 30th, 2016. Tell us about your story.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of people talk about having that pivotal day or pivotal moment in their life, and it's not usually as literal as that date. Mm. Um, but for me, the 30th of March 2016 is definitely the, the day my, that my life changed forever. It was the day I was attacked by a shark while surfing, uh, my local beach just here at, at Bombo in Kayama. Um, I mean, as far as the day goes, I, I always say, like, uh, I mean, people try and pinpoint like was there anything different about that day mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it was just a regular day. And I think for me and my story, it's, it's pretty key that it is just a regular day. Yeah. And I always say that I'm just a, a regular person that something happened to and these life-changing incidents or moments in people's lives, they can really
0: happen to anyone
1: because we are all regular people.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah, surfing that day, um, being out in the water. um, in sharky
0: time, like in the morning or? It was in the
1: afternoon. So yeah, as far as sharky time, it's it's a funny way of putting it. Um, But yeah, sort of 7pm around then, which Mm. is not right on on dark, but as the the sun's starting to go down, Mm. um, I was surfing with one of my good friends, Joel, that afternoon. Um, We'd been sharing a few waves and... He'd caught a wave right down the beach. The waves were actually really fun that day when, uh, yeah, that, that moment that, that my life changed forever. And I suppose a few things that stick out about that moment because I think it's important to note that, you know, a lot of people always have questions of like how much can you remember of that that mm. moment or that, that point in time. And I think it's good that I do have a really good recollection of it. Mm. Um, you know, one thing that happens when, you know, you go through these really critical incidents as your, your body enters fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. And as a human, it's really interesting to look back on those moments. And as you're frozen, which was the first instinct, it's really an information gathering exercise. So you can figure out if fight or flight is the correct option. Yeah, Um, Freeze is never a final option. It's more fight or flight on hold while you're gathering Mm. information. So in that moment, taking in all this information, there are these key things that that really stick out that I think a lot of people find interesting because I always get, you know, the three most common questions. Did it hurt? How big was it? And what can you remember? (laughs) And, you know, to answer those questions pretty succinctly is no, there's too much adrenaline. Yes, yes. Um, Thank goodness. The shark was big enough, (laughs) I always say. um, And the things that I can remember from it are very vivid. Mm. So when the shark is latched onto my
0: leg, Mm.
1: because I was able to take in all those fine details in that, freeze part of the response you know the things like the feel of its skin as i was trying to push it away to you know the the fact that there's no noise even though i know i was shouting for help mm. um, even you know the look in the shark's eyes is something that that really leaves an image in my mind and you know the look in the shark's eyes is one of i i, I look at that and and have that image in my mind and it's just a picture of how good sharks are or what they do you know there's a, a reason they've been around for as long as they, they have been is because they're yeah. incredibly good at doing what they they do which is finding things to eat and and kill and and that keeps them alive. And yeah. you know I think for a lot of people that's a, a pretty daunting thing to hear. But for me it kind of just adds to the respect that I now have for sharks and have always had for sharks in in a weird way I think it's an unfortunate way to gain that perspective. But mm-hmm. something that when I look back at that image, it's not one of terror, it's one of respect. And um, you know, as far as getting out of that situation, I had a lot of um a lot of things go right, but a lot of things go wrong. Yeah. You know, you look at these decisions you make in these critical situations and sometimes you can go through and you know, you make these snap decisions that work out. For me, the best one that I, I made didn't come first. The the worst one that I made actually came first, which was to pull away from the shark.
0: Right.
1: It makes total sense if yes. you by something you want to get away get from. Get away, yeah unfortunately for us as humans we're, we're pretty fragile um mm. this you know skin and, and bones yeah. that, that we're, we're housed yeah. in when a shark has a hold of your leg and you pull away from it um, it doesn't just let go magically mm. um it holds on and it separates that part of flesh from from your body mm. so that was the worst decision i made but the best decision i made is one that's based on instinct and Something that came from a prior memory of mine in watching Soul Surfer by Bethany Hamilton,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who's a Hawaiian surfer who was bitten by a shark. A lot of people might be familiar with that story, but one thing I could always remember from her story was that she didn't look down. She didn't look at where the shark had bitten her, mm-hmm. um, and that was one of the big things that I remembered is not looking down at my leg. And mm-hmm. That was something I focused on um, as I tried to swim in to the beach, um, dodged the shark as it came back a second time, <gasps>
0: It came back again. Yeah, yeah, it came Did back you try the second poke time. It in your eyes? Didn't I say that? Didn't no, because you know? that's
1: that's <laughs> a funny thing that a lot of people always say when yeah, I go through my, my story. The, punch it in the nose. Exactly. Everyone, you
0: know, Mick Fanning Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Everyone
1: has these ideas of what you're going to do. What you but do. first thing, you, you're frozen in fear. Second mm-hmm. of all, it's really hard to punch through water. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's not something I didn't try, it's just Mm. something that didn't work Mm. and that's what led me to pull away from the shark. And When it came back a second time, I was lucky enough to see it coming to try and put my hands out in time to stop it and my right hand landed on its nose, my left hand um, unfortunately fell into its mouth and I've got a couple of pretty cool scars from that one but um, was able to hold it up at arm's length until the wave eventually hit us and, and separated us underwater and I was lucky at that point and there's so many smaller details that kind of go up until till this point but I always say a lot of it was out of my control it was all instinct and it was all these things happening so fast even though the moment for me especially at the start felt like it lasted about five minutes it was probably five seconds yeah. and then it was 15 seconds swimming before it came back a second time and then it was another five seconds before this wave hit us and and that was really the attack that was over but then I had another issue on my hand which was getting to the beach and I was lucky that my friend Joel had heard my my screams for help and had come over to to put me on his board and take me to the beach because at that point I was I was in shock mm. I'd lost a lot of blood I was in a really bad way um, and I was lucky that he was there to pull me into the beach um, I was lucky that he was there to really save my life that day without yeah. Joel there I, I wouldn't be here today to tell my story and
0: we love Joel yeah definitely Thank love God. Joel I know and
1: all the decisions that he made um, along with uh, his partner Aggie and mm. another person on the beach uh, John who applied the first aid John and Aggie both qualified nurses
0: so not only is how lucky is uh, that not only
1: is there a lot of instinct that goes into this but a lot of luck
0: absolutely (laughs) that's life though isn't it
1: exactly yeah so all these things that eventually saved my life and got me to a point where I was airlifted from the
0: beach and taken to St George Hospital hectic (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love your story. I was watching your trailer about your story and one of the things that I love the most, mm-hmm. Brett, and thank you for sharing that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just so incredible. And one of the things that really resonated with me was I don't want to be defined mm. as the, the guy that got bitten by the shark. I don't want this to be my story. I want to kind of define my story in a different way. Yeah. And I feel like that is such an incredible mindset and such an amazing resilience story. Where does that come from? Where does your resilience come from?
1: I think think my resilience kind of comes out of a a position of not having any other choices. Mm. Um, You know, if I look earlier into my life, I'd never really been through any major struggles up until that point. I didn't have the experience to know what to do in that situation. So for me, I was kind of learning on the fly as I was going. I always look at my recovery and it's kind of two distinct things that i had to overcome Mm. there was the physical injury um which i'd lost three quarters of my left quad the operation that they did to try and first of all save my leg um but to to give me hope of doing something later was they took my left lap muscle from my back and implanted that Mm -hmm. did a lot of skin grafting connected a, a nerve and a blood supply and that was one side of of the recovery was was trying to rehab that to mm. the point where I could try and do simple things like walking again yeah simple things like being active again but the other side of my recovery was the mental recovery mm-hmm. and this is something that you know anyone who goes through something major in life you, you will have some component of a mental recovery to go through mm-hmm. and for me the mental recovery was not so much what a lot of people I think would picture in the first place of getting back in the water and conquering the fear of sharks for me it was along with being told that i wouldn't walk properly again and wouldn't be active i was told that i'd never surf again wow and surfing for me was not just something that i enjoyed doing in the afternoon Um, surfing for me was it was a a lifestyle it was a career it was a dream Um, i from the age of 11 when i first stepped on a surfboard wanted to become a professional surfer Mm. And being told that I couldn't ever surf again, it wasn't just the loss of the sport. It was the loss of this purpose and identity as as a person. It was everything that I was, everything that I wanted to be. And having that taken away from me, I had early on these profound feelings of grief and loss of, yeah. of going through that. So being able to overcome that was, for me, more important than the physical recovery at the start because I mm. first had to come to terms with that and deal with it before I could even take the first step in that physical journey. Yeah, so I say my resilience comes from a point of not really having another option because mm. I didn't necessarily know what to do. And I was lucky that I had an amazing support that it was around me. Um, not only just close support with friends and family, but the local community here, the surfing mm. community worldwide were things that really, really helped me get through that tough time. Um, on top of that, it was a few key people in my life who, just shed a little bit of perspective. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people expect these profound interjections to come along their story. But for me, it was just small things that, that came up that got me to realise that there were certain things that were in my control that I could do. They weren't going to completely solve the thing that I was going through. They weren't going to make me walk again. They weren't going to make me surf again. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to give me a new purpose, but they were going to help me along the way. And I, del- I developed, a, I suppose, an attitude not so much to... You know putting these enormous things in place but just doing a little bit every day to improve my situation and I think that for me is one of the biggest things when I look at my resilience it was done in those small steps that helped me essentially be able to walk again um, mm. and you know eventually get back in the water and they weren't things that happened overnight and it's important to note that
0: absolutely and as you're saying it's those like small simple steps and those consistencies from a mental, you know, fortitude sort of capacity point of view. So physically, yeah, you're doing all the the rehab, all the physical stuff to get you back walking and, and eventually in the surf again. What were you doing for up here?
1: At the start, not much. <laughs> At the start, because I didn't really know what to do. I kept mm. a lot of it inside of me. Um, I didn't. I didn't really talk to many people around me. I didn't. I didn't talk. I didn't seek help and I didn't admit to myself that I was kind of going through that tough time because I didn't know what I was going through yet. Mm-hmm. I was lucky that, like I said, I had a great support that was around me. Um, a key person was my dad. Um, he actually, he's worked in um, Fire and Rescue his his entire life and he knows what it's like to be part of a team and when you see someone in your team that's down to you know what it's like to pick that person back up? And he yeah. saw that I was struggling. He saw that my whole family was struggling. and He sat me down one day and, and said, you know, I can see you're going through it, obviously, mm-hmm. not just the physical side of things, but, you know, your life's changed. And he said, I just want you to look at this through a broader lens and have a look at what the whole family is going through. And he pointed out things like what is what my sisters were going through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, what my mum was going through, and what he was going through as well. And not only looking at things in that broader you know, lens of how my experience was impacting my whole family allowed me to view that I wasn't going through it alone but seeing him actually be open and, and be vulnerable in front of me was something that got me to realize that that's something I could do as well that's awesome because I hadn't had to do that before mm. seeing not only someone that I know but someone that I love and respect do that uh, mm. was a, a massive turning point as far as getting me to actually realize that I, I did need to talk and from that, it was just being a little bit more open, talking to as many people as possible um, and really being open with what I was going through, whether it be through the struggles, but also the good times and, you know, making my goals known. So then people would be able to help me and, and keep me accountable and keep me on track as well was really important. So, mm. you know, when I talk about, you know, ways I was managing myself mentally, it wasn't just one thing. Mm. It was one thing that kind of kickstarted a lot of things, but I always say to a lot of people you don't often you don't often see the support that's around you until you need it the most or when you're in that yeah, critical yes. situation um, and, and right people rise exactly they? yeah, they get around
0: you and stuff. I mean what an amazing role model your father is definitely yeah, yeah, and to do that you know and to, to walk you through that yeah so obviously the support of the community and your family, other resilience rituals you know do you Obviously, with your surfing, you keep very fit. You're very active. You look like you eat really well. Do you meditate? Do you find surfing's is your meditation? Do you do breathing, journaling, gratitude practices? What's in your kind of toolkit? Yeah,
1: it's, I, I don't necessarily have something specific. Mm. I, I change what I do a lot
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I kind of focus on what's making me feel good at that time. Um, whether it be, I mean, for the last, to give you an idea, for the last probably 12 months, Journaling um, and gratitude has been a big thing so every morning when I wake up first thing I do is write down things i enjoyed or learned from yesterday and then a bit of a brief of sort of what I'm looking forward to today and nice you know the type of person I want to be and, and some words of encouragement but a big part of that was giving me some context to write my gratitude as well
0: yeah probably. gratitude for me
1: was something for the longest time I kind of turned away from because I you know heard of people trying it and I think When you haven't given it a proper go, it's easy to dismiss.
0: Yes, yeah. And
1: you know, I bet I'm not alone in saying the first time I did it, I tried it the first three times, and you know, you write down like your family, yeah, dog, and then and you reorder it like five different times, and you're like
0: the next week.
1: (laughs) So I I learned pretty quickly that gratitude wasn't necessarily doing it like that in these big batches. It was more important for me to have a look at the small things Mm -hmm. because the small things are so important when it comes to not only forming the things that you're grateful for but they're the things that you often can overlook and that was one of the biggest things that I realized when I started writing all these things down is I wasn't just going through a week and then starting the next week I could actually look back at each day and have a look at the positive things or you know the things that had actually impacted me day to day and that Mm. was a really important thing for me so like I said I, I that's been something specific that's helped me in the last 12 months but being in the water is a massive thing um you know being out just in nature and and in the ocean has a a special quality to it but i really look for a lot of things that that make me feel good and that can change you know week to week and i think it's important to listen to yourself and know what it is that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and really just follow that and be guided by your own i suppose direction
0: that's awesome and what gives you energy definitely and it's really interesting around the gratitude stuff because i remember when i was learning about at university and i was saying to today my husband instead of checking your phone in the morning right and looking at the share market and stuff in your job just start doing some gratitude practice look at all this cool research it's like i don't know babe i don't know about that stuff (laughs) i'm like what's the worst that's gonna happen yeah right like just just try it out just lay there before you check your phone 30 seconds and honestly within two weeks it's like chelsea my whole life has changed The the my mindset has shifted. I'm no longer taking in the pain of the world first up in the morning. Instead, I'm kind of just dialing everything back. And it's like the smallest things that you end up being grateful, which is actually the biggest things. right? Exactly, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, one last question. Mm. What would you like for people to take away from your story?
1: It's funny. I I've kind of been thinking about this a lot recently because a big thing that I – really try and promote is the fact that you don't have to be defined by what happens to you but it's Mm. how you respond and Mm. I think that's that's something tangible where a lot of people expect you know you to go through something significant to learn this and as I was exploring that a little bit more I thought that I talk to a lot of people who haven't been through something like that they Mm. don't really understand it And when I share my story or when I I talk to people I'm Definitely in the mindset that not 100% of people are going to, you know, take the real message out of
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone's different. Everyone has their own experiences and they're guided by that. And I think a big part of that is I would love everybody to come away with the message that really it's, it's the biggest cliche, but cliches come out of a place of truth, right, and is <laughs> that you really only live once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of people, one of my favourite quotes is the fact that we have two lives mm-hmm. is the first one and the, the second one starts when you realise that you've only got one. I love that, and that's such an important line for me that I I love to reiterate as many times as possible. But I realised recently that not everyone can actually see that. Mm. There's a certain percentage of people that can hear my story and take away the the parts that I want them to hear, but then there's the other percentage of people who, and I always say that it's it's unfortunate, but they'll will learn that one day. It's just going to be through a bad or painful or, or you know a situation that you don't want to go through mm-hmm. and that's part of life we, we can't ignore that and we can't shy away from it because it is something that we go through like going through challenges is part of the human
0: experience mm-hmm.
1: makes us who we are it is really how we learn and how we grow and those bad times as, as dark and as terrible as they may seem for a lot of people are going to be those life-changing moments where they do see that they only have one life
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I always struggle because I've always said I'd love for people to be able to take out of my story that, you know, you should be doing, you know, living every day like it's, it's you know, yeah, the nice. most important day you've had. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: it is hard for a lot of people to take that, that message away. But I think when I reflect on it and I realise that people will get there, if you can provide some context that when they do go through those tough times, mm. if they don't take something away when they hear you, then they will not only hopefully be able to get through that tough time a little bit easier, yeah. but then they'll see things a lot clearer. And I think that's a really important thing that we'll all, you know, get to, to know at some point, and, you yeah. know, whether it be now, whether it be in 15, 20 years, whenever it is, um, once we can open our eyes and realise that, you know, we are living this one life, it, it, is, it is a game changer.
0: Absolutely community (laughs) I hope you wrote that down we only live once and that is so true Brett and I think you know within darkness does come the light and Mm -hmm. I feel like that with my experience every day to me is a blessing like I just grab life by the by the horns and just go you know what I want to skid into my coffin at 95 or whenever it is and just maybe maybe with a glass of champagne in one hand and a (laughs) surfboard in the other and just go wow that was an awesome ride yeah you know
1: Definitely, I think that's important, and I think something that a lot of people would love to be able to look back and know that mm. you've left something behind that you're proud of, and mm. that you know the people that live a life afterwards can remember you by. And, and good luck to everyone trying yeah. to do that. I think yeah. um, I, I get excited knowing that you wake up every day with the opportunity
0: to leave that mark on someone. Oh, I love it, Brett. You absolute legend! Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for coming on the show today. <laughs> Uh, We will leave all the details in the show notes of where to get in touch with Brett. And thank you so, so much. You inspire us every day here at EQ Minds. Take care, man. We'll see you in the water. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: (laughs) Glad you're not afraid. It's awesome.
0: (laughs) This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.